Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. So much of what we know to be true and blessed about our lives, and might I add, so much of what we know about our Christian faith comes about by grace. But what's so special about grace? Continuing our current sermon series for the season of Lent, this is the question we're asking in today's message, which is based on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and begins with a little story I like to call the parable of the cross and crown pins. Well, once, years ago, at the very first church that I ever served as a young Greenhorn student pastor, it was decided that we were going to give out cross and crown pins to the children of our little Sunday school. Now, cross and crown pins are not something that you hear a lot about today, but I know that church folk, as they say, of a certain age will know exactly what I'm talking about. Basically, cross and crown pins served as perfect attendance awards for Sunday school. And with each successive year that the children were part of that Sunday school program, the more pins they received, they also happened to be kind of interlocking so that if you were in Sunday school long enough, you actually ended up with a rather long uh, uh, series of pins that you could put on your lapel. The more longer you did Sunday school, the more you got, basically. Well, it seemed like a good idea. So, because we were trying to maintain some consistency in the size of our classes from week to week at that church, along with trying to encourage some sense of faith commitment amongst the kids themselves. And by and large, I got to tell you, it worked. Most of the children embraced this whole idea with great enthusiasm, and they worked very hard at it. Attendance did go up. The only problem was that come the end of the Sunday school year, we came to this rather sobering conclusion that out of about 20, 25 children, only a couple of them were actually going to qualify for a pin. So here we were with egg on our faces. Having laid out this program, having made such a big deal about it all year long about earning these pins, and realizing at the 11th hour that we were going to have to deal with a whole bunch of really disappointed kids. But then we started looking at the attendance records of the kids who'd almost made the cut. One little girl had been in the hospital with pneumonia one Sunday. Well, we really couldn't hold that against her, could we? And then there were the three children whose mother and father were going through a rather messy divorce that winter. We certainly didn't want to add to the trauma of that. And what about those Sunday mornings in January in Maine when the weather was bad and the roads were icy? Nobody should be expected to drive to church in a snowstorm. And then, because yes, this was Aroostook County, Maine, there was potato harvest to consider. And honestly, in those days, everything stopped during potato picking. Well, you guessed it. Using Jesus' parable of the workers in the vineyard as our biblical model, you know, 
the one where the vineyard owner pays those who only worked in the vineyard one hour the same amount as those who had worked the full day, we finally decided that we would give each one of the kids a cross and crown pin regardless of their actual attendance. Now, as you can imagine, a lot of the children were exceedingly happy about this turn of events, but what I'm always going to remember about this is just how many of them weren't. In fact, a few of those kids were quite put out with us that we had changed the rules. And this is to say nothing of a couple of parents who only half-jokingly informed me after church that if they had known how this was going to turn out, they would have rolled over and gone back to sleep rather than drive to church on those snowy Sunday mornings. The piece de resistance, however, was this sweet and angelic little girl who up until that time had never, ever missed a chance to come to the line at the end of the church and give me a great big hug. But this particular morning, she greeted me with an icy stare, <laughs> informing me before she very dramatically stomped off that this was not fair. Because Joey Johnson got a pen and he hardly ever came to Sunday school. Well, <clears throat> suffice to say that not only did I learn something there about the nature of good intentions, I think it was at that very moment that I, as a young pastor and budding theologian, began to grasp the overwhelming, unsettling, radical, amazing nature of grace. Now, grace is actually one of those words that we in the church tend to use frequently. We use it to the point of getting to be kind of casual about it. We speak regularly here of how all that we are, all that we have, all that we can ever hope to be is by the grace of God. And truly, it is all by grace. The gift of creation, the land, sea, and sky, all that dwells within them is ours by grace. The fact that we live and breathe and grow is by grace. Forgiveness, redemption, salvation, even that spirit that stirs us to reach out and capture that which God is offering us, that comes to each one of us by grace. Now, moreover, grace is a word that we use apart from any kind of biblical or religious context. Outside of these church doors, grace becomes the way of describing a dancer's leap or a poet's word. It's that intangible something that just seems to fill a particular moment, whatever it is, with goodness and with perfection. And when, for whatever reason, we recognize that that Perfection is not there for someone else. So often our response to that is, there but for the grace of God go I. So grace, by its simplest definition, seems to describe the blessings of what we've received. But ultimately, friends, that only tells half the story. 
when we as a people of faith talk about something being by the grace of God, we are referring to what might be called an incalculable calculation by which God knows what we need and gives it to us even though, and here's the key, even though we have done nothing to achieve it or to earn it. In fact, there are two words in ancient Hebrew that can be roughly translated as grace. The first one is hem, which describes the compassionate response of a superior to an inferior, especially when that kindness is undeserved. And the second is hesed, which, by the way, is the word in Scripture used to describe God's loving kindness and loyalty towards Israel, even when Israel regularly turned away from God. So considering those two words, by the grace of God, ends up meaning that whatever it happens to be, from being granted crossing crown pins or to the myriad blessings of life itself, the fact of the matter is you may well not deserve it. You probably don't. Nonetheless, the divine and almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, this God loves you. And so here it is. It's all yours by grace. Our text for this morning that Juliana shared with us comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, a portion of the second chapter that culminates in one of the great confessions of the epistles, that we have been made alive together with Christ. And that through Christ, God has saved us and has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that, Paul goes on to say, in the ages to come, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I love that affirmation. It's like great and triumphant music. It brings forth a confession that is beyond powerful. These are words that, for me, offer up a fitting benediction to everything that we know to be true about our Christian faith. I mean, once Paul offers us that promise of the immeasurable riches of his grace, there's that word again, the immeasurable riches of his grace, what is there left to say? But did you happen to notice how this second chapter begins? Did you see what Paul says to those Christians at Ephesus before proclaiming this awesome wonder of God's love in Jesus? He says, you were dead. That's right, I said it. You were dead. Dead, dead, dead. Dead as a doornail, as Charles Dickens said it. Okay. The Reverend Dr. Craig Barnes, the recently retired president of Princeton Seminary, 
writes that this passage of Paul's epistle serves as a testimony to the church. That is a testimony to the body of Christ in Ephesus, and yes, by extension, to the body of Christ in this time and place. However, Barnes says that in this passage, Paul is not being tender. (laughs) And that's to put it lightly, I think. There are no kind and gentle words here. It starts out, you were dead. It's not, you were lost. It's not, you were unfulfilled. It's not, you were victimized before. No, it's, you were dead through your sins and trespasses. And if that's not enough, Barnes goes on to say that he just doesn't kill us. He digs the grave. And he talks, Paul that is, all about how we were following the spirit that is now a work among those who are disobedient. That we were living in the passions of our flesh. That we were by our nature children of wrath like everyone else. Or if you'd like to hear the message translation here, and and get this, you filled your lungs with polluted unbelief, and then you exhaled disobedient. Ain't nothing warm and fuzzy about that, friends. What we're hearing here, it's not something we like to hear, but this is here, is judgment. Pure and simple. Paul tells us that we are walking through life with no hope of redemption or salvation at all. All you ever were, says Paul, all you could ever hope to be was dead. So the question becomes, how do we move from being children of wrath of all things, to being made alive together with Christ, to dwell in the heavenly places? Well, the answer is grace. And what's so very special about grace comes in the very next thing that Paul says. After Paul has leveled all of this judgment against the Ephesians after he lets us know that we're no better than that, he says, but God, as in, but God, who is rich and mercy out of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead through our trespasses. As in, if I can quote Craig Barnes one more time, you were dead, but God. You kept trying to wander back into your self-made tomb, but God. You were killing yourself trying to save yourself, but God. You had been beaten up. You were walking around wounded. You didn't know where you were going. But God, God would not let you stay dead. But God, who is rich in mercy and out of great love, made you alive, 
in Christ. That's what's so special about grace. Because you know, at the end of the day, there's nothing we can do to resolve all of the trespasses and sins in which we have walked in this life. We, we can't change what's already been done in our lives. We, we can't fix what is broken. We try. Sometimes we have middling results. But we can't fix what is broken between ourselves and God. We can't raise the dead. God, God can. And by grace, God does do that. By grace, he does do this for you and me by the redeeming power at work in Jesus Christ. The story goes that during a conference on comparative religion in Britain some years ago, the renowned theologian and author C.S. Lewis was asked in the midst of what was apparently a very intense discussion of what he considered to be Christianity's unique contribution amongst the world's religion. And Lewis, it is said, quickly responded, oh, that, that's easy. It's grace. And despite the brevity and the simplicity of his answer, not to mention all the other sharp divisions of people of differing faith will somehow lobby at one another. And on that one point, at least, everyone had to agree. I love what another author, Philip Yancey, has said about this. He says, the notion of God's love coming to us free of charge no strings attached. It really does seem to go against every instinct of humanity. The Buddhist eightfold path, the Hindu doctrine of karma, the Jewish covenant, the Muslim code of law, each one offers a way to approval. Only Christianity, Yancey writes, dares to make God's love unconditional. Turns out that the glory of our Christian faith is ultimately not to be found in what we do, but in what we have received. And in that regard, I suppose it's not wholly unconditional, because it, it does require from us to take hold of what we have been given. But when we do take hold of what we're given by God, when we will open our hands and our hearts enough to take that gift, we become the recipients of the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are made part of what Paul referred to earlier in Ephesians as God's plan. God's plan for the fullness of time, the plan to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We are being given life. Life heretofore unimagined. Life that's full and abundant. Life that is eternal in the heavens. And it comes to us all because of this incredible radical, unmerited, amazing grace that's born of divine love. 
Because in the end, you see, grace is all about love. As the late Frederick Beatner said so beautifully, the grace of God means something like, here's your life. You might never have been, but you are. You are because, you know, the, the party would not have been the same without you. Here is the world. It's beautiful. And beautiful, but also terrible things will happen. But don't be afraid of that. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. Dear friends, the good news of this and every day is that we are loved beyond measure. By grace, we are saved. And in a sacrificial act that will change the world forever, God's own Son will show us yet again what a true thing that truly is. What, God refers to, or what John refers to in his gospel as the grace and truth that came through Jesus. So let's watch. Let's wait. Let's remember what happened in the past. Let's anticipate what is happening even now in our hearts and lives. What is about to happen even unto the cross. For this gift of grace to unfold within ourselves so that we might just embrace it as our very own and so that we can say with great joy indeed, there by the grace of God go you and I. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, What's So Special About Grace? Part of our Lenten sermon series, all about what's special about our Christian faith. It was recorded during our March the 19th service of worship at East Church, where we do invite you to join us in person for worship each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off exit 16 of I-93 in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. I would love to have the opportunity to welcome you to our church, and I know you'll be glad you came. But for now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I thank you for listening today, and until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.